Welcome to another episode of Do Loss, and on today's show, we're going to talk about how Latin America is actually going from Catholic to evangelical. So there's a New York article that came out in uh, January talking about how Latin America is now in this huge transitional period of going from a staunchly Catholic, uh, majority Catholic region to a now more so evangelical and even Pentecostal route in their theology. And a lot of the article talked about how it's really a huge shift because of how the people there felt that the Catholic Church was treating them or even not treating them in the way that they ought, they thought that they thought their leaders should treat them. So uh, it's kind of a long article. So I want to read through it and just make some comments about it. So we're going to jump right in to it. it's in the Wall Street Journal and it's called Why the Catholic Church is Losing Latin America. And then the subtitle is Conservative Pentecostals Make Huge Inroads Despite Regions First Pope, talking about Pope Francis, uh, who was born in Argentina. And then it says Brazil is poised to become minority Catholic as soon as this year. And it starts off by saying Tatiana Aparecida de Jesus used to walk the city streets as a sex worker high on crack cocaine. Last year, the mother of five joined a small Pentecostal congregation in downtown Rio called Sanctification in the Lord and left her old life behind. So right there you see, that's good news. A lady who was walking the streets high on drugs as a sex worker. Looks like the Lord saved her and she repented, came to faith in Christ uh, after joining this small Pentecostal church. Who was, and she was a mother of five in, in, as a sex worker. So that's a huge blessing to see that somebody who uh, obviously was a harlot, who was on drugs, God uh, was willing to save and to bring her into the kingdom of God. So this is her quote. This is her quote in the next paragraph. It says, the pastor hugged me without asking anything, said Mr. Jesus, who was 41. Who, she was raised Catholic and is one of more than a million Brazilians who have joined an evangelical or Pentecostal church since the beginning of the pandemic, according to researchers. She continues to say, when you are poor, it makes so much of a difference when someone just says good morning to you, good afternoon, or shakes your hand, she said. And I think that's and that's really the heading of what the rest of the article really is about is how as a poor person, as somebody who's struggling, um, uh, wanting to, you know, to pay bills, to provide for her family. She was saying it was just a huge difference that she felt going into this small Pentecostal church where the pastor just came and gave her a hug. Then asked where she's coming from, what she's doing, just showed her some love. And it uh, looks like God used that pastor to bring her to faith and uh, to bring her to faith in Christ. So the article continues and it says, for centuries to be Latin American was to be Catholic. The religion faced virtually no competition. Today, Catholicism has lost adherence to other faiths in the region, especially Pentecostalism, and more recently to the ranks of the unchurched. The shift has continued under the first Latin American Pope. Seven countries in the region, Uruguay, the Dominican Republic, and five in Central America had a majority of non-Catholics in 2018, according to a survey by Latino Barometro, a Chilean-based pollster. In a symbolic milestone, Brazil, which has the most Catholics of any country in the world, is expected to become minority Catholic as soon as this year, according to estimates by, acad by academics that track religious affiliation. In Rio State, which is in Brazil, it has happened already. It, is, it has already happened. Catholics make up 46% of the population, according to the latest national census in 2010, a little more than a third of some poverty-stricken favelas or slums. And then... Uh, it quotes uh, a priest uh, who was working in that region, or he, he's actually a demographer and a professor, a former professor. He says the Vatican is losing the biggest Catholic country 
in the world. That's a huge loss, an irreversible one, said Jose Estequillo Denez Alves. So I think that's a good thing that the Catholic Church is losing their hold on Latin America because some of their doctrines, uh, really the, the doctrine of the gospel, the doctrine of salvation is completely antithetical to what it says in Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 9 where it says for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself it is a gift of god not of works as any man should boast so the gospel is about god saving us in christ and doing all the work for us and us not saving ourselves because we were dead in our trespasses and sins as also uh, ephesians 2 mentions but the article continues and says at the current rate he estimates catholics will account for fewer than 50 percent of all brazilians by early july so july of this year he's saying that uh, the Catholic Church will lose, will become a minority within Brazil, which is the largest Latin American country that had, or the largest country that has Catholics in Latin America. Article continues, and it says the reasons for the shift are complex, including political changes that reduce the Catholic Church's advantages over other religions, as well as growing secular, secularize, secularization in much of the world. During the pandemic, evangelical churches have been especially affected at using, using social media to keep people engaged said Mr. Diaz Alves, and, and that's one of the things where it comes to social media, as many ills as is out there with social media, that's where we can thank God and say God is using social media to bring more of his sheep into the kingdom of God, and because people are always on their phones or their tablets or computers, and they're seeing little gospel clips or, or messages or, or seeing uh, what the church looks like as far as the, the sound gospel that is preached, and uh, God is using social media to bring people to faith in him. And so we can thank God for that. And that's a, I think that's a major blessing. And we're, we're thankful that this pandemic really forced people even more so on the Internet than they, than they already were. And I, I know at least one guy just in our small church who was saved by stay, working at home, being able to listen to uh, the sound gospel being preached. So the article continues and it says critics inside and outside the Catholic Church also point to its failures to satisfy the religious and social demands of many people, especially among the poor. Latin Americans often describe the Catholic Church as out of touch with the everyday struggles of its congregation. The rise of liberation theology in the 1960s and 70s, a time when the Catholic Church in Latin America increasingly stressed its mission as one of social justice. That's, that should sound familiar today. In some cases, drawing on Marxist ideas failed to counter the appeal of Protestant faith. Again, this is where it gets back to where uh, even just in the 60s and 70s with this liberation theology, uh, they were focusing on the physical temporal needs of people and neglecting or just even diminishing the eternal needs, which is salvation in Jesus Christ. And now you're seeing the detriment of that strategy that went back to the 60s and 70s. Now, as we see the Catholic Church waning in its influence and its control over that Latin American region, you can see the roots of it was because the, the Catholic Church started focus, focusing on physical and temporal needs of social justice instead of dealing with issues of the gospel and changing the hearts of men to believe in Jesus as Lord and as Savior and follow him. And we, we see that the true gospel, the Protestant faith, are now uh, uh, were able to supersede the Catholic appeals. And now you see more and more people going towards pro Protestant faith because of the concentration on not just uh, the needs, the physical needs, but also the eternal needs, which is really the focus of of, of the ministry of Protestant faith, or should be the focus of Protestant ministry and of true gospel ministry. Um, so it says, it continues and says, or in the words of a now legendary quip variously attributed to Catholic and Protestant sources, quote, the Catholic Church opted for the poor and the poor opted for the Pentecostals. So it's kind of funny, but it makes it kind of sums up the issue at hand. So where the Catholic Church is going after the poor and concentrating on the poor, wanting to fulfill the needs of the poor. 
And the poor were like, well, that's great. We thank you for helping us, but we actually need more. We need truth. We need life. We need uh, an eternal hope. We need assurance of salvation, which the Catholic Church cannot give you. Until And so the, the poor opted for the Pentecostals, who much of them are, were still preaching and are still preaching the gospel of repentance through faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. The article continues and says that the declining influence of Catholicism in Latin America has far reaching social and political consequences. In countries such as Brazil, conversions to Pentecostal Christianity have boosted socially conservative views from the from the favelas to the halls of Congress, helping to propel right wing President Jair Bolsonaro to power in 2018. While President Bolsonaro still identifies as Catholic, he got himself baptized by a Pentecostal pastor in the River Jordan in 2016 in the lead up to his presidential campaign. Pentecostals and evangelicals are prominently represented in his cabinet and make up a third of Brazil's Congress. His wife attends an evangelical church. And then uh, it continues and it says Pentecostalism is a tradition originating in the U.S. which emphasizes direct contact with the Holy Spirit through highly physical forms of worship, such as speaking in tongues and faith healing. And uh, so I am not a Pentecostal, but I understand uh, what they think, how they how they operate, what they believe, because I, I grew up around them a lot. And so speaking in tongues essentially is speaking in a, a t speaking in tongue is speaking in a foreign language. So at, at the at the uh, at the Feast of Pentecost in Acts two, uh, the Holy Spirit came down and used those apostles and those that were with them in the upper room to uh, to evangelize essentially all the Jews that had come from all the, over the world. And so you see the reaction of the Jews in Acts 2, where it says that the people from Egypt and from Samaria and from all these different regions were hearing the gospel of God, the wonderful works of God in their own language. And so that's where speaking in tongues come from. It comes from the, the ability to speak a, a different language that you haven't learned or studied or know. And the, other per the person from that country is able to understand you. So it would be like me being able to speak Farsi or speak, um, you know, some uh, Korean language or or Mandarin, some, you know, a language that I have no idea how to speak, but being able to speak it fluently and share the gospel uh, with somebody. And that's what speaking in tongues is. And then faith healing is a whole nother thing where, um, which uh, when it comes to healing, when you really look at the New Testament, healing takes place immediately and it's full and it's not, uh, it is not a long drawn out process. It's Jesus immediately healing or it's the apostles immediately healing. But in Pentecostalism, it seems like faith healing is connected with how much faith you have and uh, and really kind of neglects the sovereignty of God and doesn't really elevate that God is sovereign over sickness and health and that he ultimately is, desire, you know, has the choice whether to heal or not. As Deuteronomy 32, 39 says, it says, see now I, even I am he and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. Now, that's God talking. God is saying, I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. So no matter what is happening in your life, in my life, God is in control of it and he's using it for his own purposes. And he has the right to because he's God. So the article continues and it says it is part of, a, of the larger evangelical Protestant movement, which stresses biblical authority, the experience of being born again and the mission to win converts, which is what you know, that's the basic evangelical Protestant doctrine, biblical authority. The word of God is the authority, how we how we know God, how we operate, how we love, how we speak, how we think. All of that should come under the, the authority of Scripture. And then being born again, of course, Jesus said, you must be born again in John three, that uh, this is how you enter to the kingdom of God. You can't enter in through flesh and blood. It's not through your family lineage. It's not being born into a Christian family. It's not 
growing up in America. It's not going to church and not reading your Bible. Being born again is meaning is meaning means having having a whole new desire and a whole new will where you desire to please God. You desire to strive after holiness. You desire to to love Christ and to obey him and do what he says. As Jesus said, if you if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then the mission to win converts, which is to go and make other disciples like yourself. Go share the gospel with somebody else uh, and share with them the gospel that uh, that God used somebody else to share with you, that they might experience new life in, in Christ. So the article continues. It says mainline Protestant churches such as an An Anglicans and Lutherans have made relatively few inroads in Latin America. In nations with growing numbers of people with no religious affiliation, more liberal social practices are growing. Argentina, the Pope's native country, legalized abortion last year, and Chile's Congress is taking the first steps on a bill to decriminalize the procedure. Even in Mexico, which still has a large Catholic majority, the church's hold on society is weakening, as seen in the Supreme Court's September vote to decriminalize abortion. So that's part of the downside of not having a religious affiliation uh, for even uh, Catholicism, as, as good as it is moving away uh, from Catholicism because they don't preach a, a right gospel. But along with that is that um, a fear of God at some minimal level that they, that they had is being removed. And now you're starting to see abortion become more and more of this uh, uh, right that, they, that, the, that the woman think that they have, just like the woman in the United States think that they have a right to kill their baby and to put an end to the life that God has put within them. Uh, by, what, by whatever means. So the article continues and it says Latin America and the Caribbean is home to 41% of the world's Catholics, according to the Vatican. Estimates of how many Latin Americans remain Catholic vary, but all sides agree that percent, the percentages are falling. And again, I say I think that's good um, because of the fact that the Catholic Church does not provide a true gospel of salvation. According to a survey by the Pew Research Center, 69% of Latin Americans were Catholic in 2014, though 84% have been raised in the church. 19% of Latin Americans identify themselves as Protestants. Of those, 65% identify with Pentecostalism. So most of the 19% of people that are now uh, Protestants are identifying as Protestants. 65% uh, of them are now Pentecostals, or at least identifying with Pentecostalism. Under Pope Francis, who met, the, who met with Pentecostal and evangelical leaders when he was Archbishop of Buenos Aires, the Vatican has sought to coexist peacefully with those of other beliefs rather than fight the rising tide of rival faiths. And there again is another problem with Catholicism, especially with this new Pope who's trying to ecumenize the faith and bring all the faiths together. And whoever these Pentecostal and evangelical leaders were, they are doing a disservice to the gospel because they're having fellowship with darkness. They're, they're, again, they, the Catholic Church doesn't preach the gospel of God. They don't have a they don't have a right understanding of justification by faith alone in Christ. Uh, they don't have an understanding of imputed righteousness. Rather, it's infused righteousness at baptism that you uh, continuously try to keep up within yourself by penance and confession and 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 devotion to Mary and, and the Mass and the Eucharist and all these other things that they've added on through tradition as Jesus condemns where he says you are making the word of God of none effect by your tradition. So this is what the Catholic Church is doing. And when you have Pentecostal and evangelical leaders or any Christian who is associating with Catholic with the Catholics to try to find some kind of common ground when they are not together at all, you are only undermining your own uh, your own profession to faith in Christ when you associate or you legitimize the Catholics as true brothers and sisters in Christ when they are not because they don't have a right gospel as according to their own teaching.
Pope Francis has often inveighed against missionary efforts aimed at winning converts. See, there again. What did Jesus say? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, of all nations, baptizing them in, into the name of the Father, the Son, of the, uh, and of the Holy Ghost. So when you have the Pope who was saying, don't go, don't, don't have missionary efforts, don't try to bring people into the Catholic Church or bring people into the kingdom of God, this is exactly what the devil would want all of us to do, to not be evangelizing or not be um, sharing the faith uh, or not be discipling one another because he wants people to be held in darkness. And this is exactly what the Catholic Church is doing. And he, and this is what this particular pope is doing and not wanting to uh, really fight and defend the faith as Jude tells us to do, that we need to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So the article continues and it says, at a 2019 Vatican Synod, which is just a meeting of all the Catholic clergy, uh, on Latin America's Amazon region, there was a scarce, there was scarcely any discussion of the church's losses of, it, of adherence, even though a recent report by a church agency showed that 46 percent of the Amazon of the Amazon's regions of the Amazon region's 34 million inhabitants weren't Catholic. So even though they're losing numbers, they're not really concerned about it because, again, we're not looking to compete with other religions. All we're doing is trying to focus on. Uh, environmentalism, which is what the next sentence says. It says, the gathering devoted more attention to the region's environmental challenges, a signature cause of the current pontificate. So instead of focusing on saving souls, on teaching doctrine, on, on discipling the saints, they're more focused on how to make a better environment. When again, Second Peter 3 says, God is going to wreck this environment. The, the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. It's going to burn up. It's going to pass away with a big noise. And this earth is going to go by the wayside. But now that doesn't mean we just litter the planet and trash it. I think we should take care of it. But again, we have to remember that this is a temporary planet. It's not going to be here uh, after Jesus comes back and establishes his new heaven and new earth. Uh, the article continues and it says Latin America's religious transformation began with independence from Spain and Portugal in the 19th century, after which Catholicism, which had come with colonization starting in the 16th century, ceased to be the state religion. The church retained a privileged legal position in many countries in many countries, and it wasn't until the mid 20th century that competing faiths began to grow. And I remember taking a trip with my little sister down to Mexico for I think we we're just going there just to hang out for I think it was about five or six days or so. But we got to go tour in Cancun and tour some of the Mayan temples and some of the different things that they had down there. And what the tour guy was telling us that when a lot of the Catholic missionaries came over from Spain and Portugal to uh, kind of evangelized the Mayans and, and the, the, the inhabitants of, of Mexico during that time, they told them, they, they were telling us that they didn't necessarily come and kind of obliterate all of their religion. They kind of just replaced their relics, the native relics with Catholic saints to pray to. So instead of praying to an Aztec God or some Mayan God, they would say, well, instead of praying to that God, just pray to this saint. So they didn't really even evangelize them by preaching the gospel, by telling them there's one true God, that you need to give honor and, and, and allegiance to and, and worship to, and, and you need to repent and trust in him and serve him and love him. It was more of let's replace your idols with our idols, and we'll just try to formulate and, and, and assimilate you guys to our religion, which is, which is just another false religion, false religion obviously. Uh, the article continues, and it says, but the most successful by far of these new faiths was Pentecostalism. Between 1970 and 2020, the number of Pentecostals in Brazil grew, from, grew to 46.7 million from 6.8 million, according to the World Christian Database. In Guatemala, they grew more than tenfold 
to 2.9 million from fewer than 196,000. So Pentecostalism has had a wide growth in Brazil, especially, you know, again, one of the largest Catholic-dominated countries in, uh, in Latin America. Pentecostalism's loose organizational structure has helped it make inroads into Latin America's poorest neighborhoods where churches offer material as well as spiritual help. So again, going back to that, going back to that, uh, that focus that the Catholic Church had in the 1960s and 70s, the Bible doesn't say that we should forget to help the poor, forget to help those that are, that are in need. Um, Paul said that in Galatians 2, that he wanted to remember the poor, and that, that's the commission that the other apostles had given him to, to remember the poor in his ministry. And Paul said, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what I wanted to do in my ministry. I wanted to remember the poor. He, Paul even wrote to Timothy and told him to charge those that are rich to not be high-minded, but to be willing to give of their riches to the poor and to be able to be a blessing to the brothers and sisters that, that weren't blessed as much as they were financially. So we have to remember that uh, as believers, we don't neglect giving to the poor or helping the poor financially, um, but we shouldn't let that become the focus of trying to make people become more comfortable financially or make people rich or or whatever the case may be, because again, if they get all that money, they get all the American comforts that we enjoy, they get a nice house, they get a nice job, they get a nice retirement, they get, they get uh, two cars and a, and a house and a picket fence and, and kids and all that stuff, and they die and go to hell, what all was it for? Really for nothing. You know, that, 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 didn't that, didn't that didn't benefit them at all. Um, so the article continues and it says, Lay-led churches with flocks as small as a few dozen families organized donations of rice and beans for hungry families, fund soccer clubs for young boys to lure them away from drug gains, and organize private health care as an alternative to Brazil's failing public hospitals. According to the 2014 Pew survey, the most popular reason given by former Catholics in Latin America for embracing some form of Protestantism was to have a more personal connection with God, cited by 81%. Of respondents, and I read, when I read that, I was like, "That's kind of shocking," because you think, at least my understanding of the Catholic Church is that you're having a personal, uh, some kind of personal experience with God because you're confessing, you're praying the Rosary, you're you're eating the Eucharist, which is they teach it's the actual literal body and blood of Christ, and they're sacrificing Him on the cross again, and uh, you're you're going to Mass and you're you're saying your Hail Marys and you're being blessed and or being absolved or whatever. The, whatever the, the different traditions are in the Catholic Church, you would think that they're doing all these things and having some kind of connection with God. But it looks like, at least in Latin America, 81% of them, are, they're not, they don't, all they're doing all that and nothing is happening in their life. Because obviously, that's not how you get to God. You don't get to God by all these traditional elements. The, the way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So you have to come to Christ. And the good thing about it is you can go to Christ wherever you are, wherever you're listening in your car or if you're, or you're, or you're listening at home or you're watching online, whatever, wherever you are in the world, you can get to God right where you are. And you can just say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Uh, and God will show you mercy. God will grant you repentance to believe in him. And uh, you don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to wait to be blessed. You don't have to wait to get the Eucharist. You don't have to wait for a pastor to come and pray with you. All you have to do is get on your knees and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of your grace. I am, I am in need of your, your mercy. I know I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. And that moment, God will justify you and he will reckon you righteous in his sight, as righteous as Jesus himself, because you get the righteousness of Christ. That's what imputation is. God imputes the righteousness of Christ on your behalf 
and he takes all your sins and puts them on Christ who died for them at the cross, thereby wiping away your sins once for all. And that's the blessing of the gospel. That's the blessing of good news, that your sins are forgiven instantaneously. You don't have to keep coming to, to confession. You don't have to pray the rosary. You don't have to pray to Mary. You don't have to uh, come to the Mass. You don't have to go to the Eucharist. You don't have to go to your priest. You go to God directly through Christ, and you get instant forgiveness, and your sins are completely washed away. That's the good news of the gospel. So no matter what you've done, the Bible says, where sin abounded, where it's a way, there's much sin, there's way much more, there's way more grace. There's a, an abundance of grace. So there's, uh, I think there's a saying where you can't out, you can't out sin the grace of God or something to that effect, which is true. So no matter what evil you've done in your life, God will stand ready and willing to forgive you instantaneously if you come in humble repentance and faith. So the article continues and it says nearly six in 10 said they left Catholicism because they found a church that helps members more. And again, this is going back to the community of saints where it looks like in the Catholic church, at least in Latin America, they are being left behind and there's nobody there except in this case, the Pentecostals and other Protestant faiths that are actually um, showing members love and showing them uh, affection and, and sharing the gospel with them. And they're teaching them that you can come directly to God and not have to worry about going through the church or going through your priest or whatever uh, the case may be in the Catholic Church. The article continues and it says, For Jamie Martins, a 45-year-old lawyer from Rio de Janeiro, the turning point came in 2016 when Brazil's economic crash left him penniless, sending him into a downward spiral of depression and addiction. His wife left him, he got into trouble with the police, and he took to wandering across the city highways at night. I wanted to get run over, he says. So he was just in a desperate place. So it says a Pentecostal church in Rio funded his drug rehabilitation program and another gave him accommodation and a job as an assistant in the church, said Mr. Martins. Unlike larger Catholic, unlike larger Catholic churches in the area, the informal structure of the Pentecostal and evangelical churches allows for greater contact between church leaders and worshipers like Mr. Martins. And that's what I think that's kind of that, when I read that kind of reminded what Jesus is saying in, uh, in Matthew, where he said the Gentiles lorded over their over, lord it over their subjects they kind of stay aloof but they just command them from a perch of superiority but jesus said it should not be so among you talking to his apostles you know if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven you should first be a servant and a servant is one who is willing to stand uh stand with the flock minister to the flock be amongst them as jesus was always amongst the people always amongst people everywhere he went people flocked to him uh, publicans harlots all kinds of people we're around Jesus all the time. And even our pastor, we've been going through a series on biblical eldership. And he said, part of, the main part of being a pastor is being with the flock, serving the flock, serving their needs, physical or spiritual, and just being there. Even our pastor, I can, you know, I'm thankful to say we moved a couple of times in the last year or so. And he was there each time to help us move, pack up our truck, drive with us, uh, unpack, you know, bring our stuff into the house. So he was doing it. He was there, you know, he, he, he was he was he was having a good time. He, was, he wasn't there begrudgingly. He brought even his family with him to come help us move. And so he could see that he enjoyed being a part of the flock and being there to to serve and to help. And that's the kind of service that Christ talked about that he wants his shepherds to have in the church, that he wants his pastors to have in the church. So the Catholic priest wouldn't even have coffee with us, said Mr. Barnes. Members of the clergy say they need to be more accessible to ordinary worshipers, much like Pope Francis, who focused on down-and-out neighborhoods when he was Archbishop of Buenos Aires. Today, priests and nuns can be found working in barrios and rural areas across the region. We should be much more approachable. We should be much more with the people, said Reverend 
Gustavo Morello, a member of the Pope's Jesuit order from Argentina and a professor of sociology at Boston College who has studied religious pluralism across Latin America. Evangelicals tend to be more engaged. 60% of those interviewed in a 2007 study in Brazil said they go to church more than once a week, compared with only 16% among Catholics. And I think there's a, there's a huge discrepancy there for a good reason. More than once a week. I mean, that's actually, I think that's standard Christian, you know, evangelical behavior. You love being at church. You love being with your brothers and sisters, studying the word, sharpening one another, uh, finding out what's going on in, your, in one another's lives, how you can pray for one another. And I think when, the more you're at the church, I think the more you love being there because those are the people that you are, are united with, you have a unity with because you're both saved by the same grace, saved by the same Savior. And you just love to be with your, with your brothers and sisters. So you're going to go there more often instead of just going once a week. As you can see, compared with uh, only 16, 16% of Catholics versus 60% of evangelicals that, that go to church more than once a week. Um, article continues and it says, Ties and profits from a business empire run by Brazil's evangelical churches, which includes television networks and cruise companies, have given the movement of financial firepower that enables it to expand into poverty-stricken suburbs and fund political campaigns. In downtown Sao Paulo, South America's largest megalopolis, a $300 million replica of Solomon's Temple stands as testimony to evangelism's meteoric rise. Built in 2014 by one of Brazil's biggest and wealthiest neo-Pentecostal churches, the Universal Church of the Kingdom of God, the temple can hold up to 10,000 worshipers. Amid the pomp, builders imported enough marble from Israel to cover 10 soccer fields for its walls and floors. Its pastors offer down-to-earth advice from a gold-plated altar. Now, this is where it kind of takes a turn for the worse because now you start to see some more of the prosperity element coming into, especially the Pentecostal movement, where it's more of health and wealth. If you come to God, if you believe in Christ, then you'll you'll have your 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 body will be healed. You'll be able to have more money in your life and things like that. Um, so it's kind of tipping towards a now another terrible extreme. From one terrible extreme, you have the Catholic Church losing its grip, and now this grip of this prosperity theology coming through Pentecostalism is now starting to take hold on Latin America. So that's kind of the downside of this whole new Protestant uh, move going on in Latin America. The article continues and it says, in group sessions of couples therapy every Thursday, pastors impart tips on issues such as how to encourage a husband to do the washing and forgiving a wife after an affair, which again, I think are a good concept that husbands should be willing to serve their wives and, and be willing to forgive um, even after a spouse commits adultery although obviously i think that's up to the spouse either way i think you can forgive and not necessarily have to reconcile because uh jesus even gave that admonition in matthew 19 where he said uh, uh, except for the reason of fornication then uh it's adultery or adultery is condemned and divorce is condemned except in cases of of fornication um but the article continues and it says Pentecostal pastors are typically married which they say gives them an advantage on such topics over celibate catholic priests Again, I would have to agree. Um, I think um, even Paul wrote in First in First Timothy, I believe, uh, or Second Timothy, I can't remember which one, where he says that uh, forbidding from marriage and commanding to abstain from meats is the doctrine of devils. And what the Catholic Church does with their priests is says they can't get married; they have to remain celibate, which is not a biblical doctrine at all uh, um, for pastors. Pastors uh, should be married if they are so willing, and there should be no restriction on that at all. That's again going back to tradition versus the biblical authority of the of the word of God. 
Many Pentecostals preach the theology of prosperity, more commonly known in the U.S. as the prosperity gospel, which I'm sure we've all heard of, which holds that God's grace is reflected in material wealth, which again, I think uh, if, if people believe that, you have to completely skip over, skip over the book of Job, because Job was one of the godliest men in the Bible, according to God himself. Um, he wanted to even make sacrifices for his children just in case they had blasphemed God in their hearts, not even verbally. But Job was so concerned about the fear of God, the holiness of God, uh, and, and the holiness of God in his own life and in his children's lives that he was willing to offer, offer sacrifices for his own children to make sure that they, their sins were kind of you know, answered for through that sacrifice because he, didn't, he wanted to make sure that they were in right standing before God. But again, God uh, allowed Satan to come and wreak havoc in Job's, in Job's life. And Job never knew why. Job is never told why. God is just almost even incensed at Job for even asking or daring to complain about his situation. Uh, when all Job did was serve God. He feared God and eschewed evil, the Bible says. So he, he honored, wanted to honor God by living a, a holy, righteous life. And he, he hated evil. But God, again, took all his wealth, his family, uh, his, chi uh, his children, all his possessions, his servants, all within a span of, I think, probably you know, half a day. He lost everything. And God never tells him why. But again, God blessed him after that. But it, w it wasn't because of Job's, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that the wealth of God was the reflection of, God, of God's grace in his life. It was more of God's grace within Job's life because God decided to put his grace on Job's life and decided to bless him with the material wealth. So whether you're rich, rich or poor, uh, that doesn't reflect God's blessing in your life. Because you could say America is the richest country on earth, thereby meaning that God's, God, God is so pleased with America, which I doubt he is, namely because of abortion, of, of the rise of transgenderism and homosexuality and all these different uh, sins that are now mainstream and, and, and trying to become normalized. And even pedophilia is becoming more and more normalized. There's no way God is happy with America. The Bible even says that God is angry with the wicked every day. And I think we, we see that we have a lot of wicked rulers here in America today. So it says that Solomon's temple in Sao Paulo, suited men regularly line up at the altar with velvet red sacks and credit card machines to receive offerings as the pastor promises his followers that they too will get rich if they donate generously. Again, that's something that no pastor can promise because ultimately God is sovereign. I mean, the Bible just say you will reap what you sow. If you sow, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Um, but ultimately, God is sovereign over those things. So you can't say God is not a, a cosmic vending machine. I heard one person say, you don't just put a certain amount of money in, then you can just choose what you want out of it. God is on the throne. He decides who gets what. Jesus said that God is so kind and good that he reigns on the just and on the unjust. And even in the psalm, uh, I think it's Asaph who was saying that uh, he was kind of envious of the wicked because the wicked were, were doing so well in life. They were doing, they had all this money, they had all these comforts, and Asaph was like, I'm over here serving God, and I'm barely getting by. And, and he started to see how, he started to think, what's the point of serving God if I'm not able to enjoy life, and if I'm not able to enjoy um, the blessings of God, but then he says, in the, in the, in the, at the end of the psalm, he said, "I considered, it, I can, I sat down, I went into the temple, and I considered the end of the wicked, and the end of the wicked is death. The end of the wicked is eternal uh, condemnation in hell." And uh, so, when Asaph remembered that his eternal, his eternal destiny was secure in God, in God, and in Christ, 
he no longer was envious of the wicked because envy the envy of the wicked is really a fool's errand because why are you envious of somebody who's dying and going to hell for eternity it makes no sense at all article continues and it says there are places where you're not a bad person for dreaming big for wanting to earn more said josu valendaro or Valandro Jr., pastor of the Rio de Janeiro-based Attitude Church, an evangelical Baptist congregation whose members include Brazil's first lady, Michelle Bolsonaro, who is the wife of the president of Brazil. And uh, so you can see why some of the, um, you can see why there's an attraction to this kind of thinking, because when you're, they're saying that you're not a bad person for dreaming big, for wanting to earn more. Uh, which again, it's kind of generalized language because in certain respects, that's not necessarily a bad thing for dream. What are you dreaming about? What are you wanting to earn more for? Uh, the Bible talks about how if you want more, you should be willing to work hard and earn more to be a blessing to others and not just to enrich yourself. So it continues and it says, some social scientists believe that the growth of Pentecostalism in Latin America will reach a ceiling in the coming years. But there is a consensus, consensus that the religious market will remain a pluralistic and competitive one. Some Catholic movements in Latin America have sought to win back lost sheep, either by emulating important features of Pentecostalism, such as ecstatic worship, or by reviving a more traditional form of Catholicism, including the Latin Mass. The Reverend Martin Lassart, a Uruguayan priest appointed by Pope Francis to the 2019 Vatican Synod on Latin America's Amazon region, believes the liberation theology movement has often placed political and social issues above the religious experience, which is exactly what is happening today within America, with where this focus is more on social justice and social issues, more so than the gospel, or even elevating social issues to equalize, that, equalize the issues as, as, as if they are a gospel issue. When again, if you are make the world a better place, uh, and you make people more comfortable, and you rectify people's uh, financial uh, uh, deficits, but they still die and go to hell. What really have you accomplished? It continues and it says, in such cases, it lacks the existential existential sense of the joy of living the gospel. This personal encounter that so many Pentecostal churches give to the person. Since the 1970s, charismatic Catholicism has been a way to keep many Catholics attracted to Pentecostalism inside their ranks with faith, healing, and speaking in tongues combined with distinctively Catholic features, including devotion to the Virgin Mary. And this is what I want to pick up and come back with after we take a, a short break. So, as I was saying, since the 1970s, charismatic Catholicism has been a way to keep many Catholics attracted to Pentecostalism inside the ranks with faith healing and speaking in tongues combined with distinctively Catholic features, including devotion to the Virgin Mary. In 2020, 22.8% of Catholics in Latin America were charismatics, according to the World Christian Database, maintained by Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary in Massachusetts. So now the Catholics are trying to merge their doctrines with Pentecostalism just for the sake of keeping more Catholics inside the Catholic faith, or at least adhering to some form of Catholicism, which again is just ecumenism and pragmatism, because they're now just not wanting to preach the gospel, not wanting to establish a biblical authority and a biblical mindset uh, and, and disciple their adherents, and more so worried about the numbers, uh, at least in this respect, and 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 want and as part of as part, as part of the branch of charismatic Catholicism, they want to 
uh, kind of merge what is flashy and attractive to uh, younger people or newer people to the faith, um, excuse me, in um, Pentecostalism and using those elements from there to bring, um, to bring more adherence to their own side of things, which is ultimately just more Catholicism, more flashy Catholicism that attracts people and keeps them in, but still keeps them, keeps them within a false system of belief. A more recent movement is, is in militant conservative Catholicism which stresses apologetics or the defense of Catholic doctrine. A major leader is, is a Brazilian Reverend Paulo Ricardo, a priest with 1.5 million followers on Facebook, who has condemned liberation theology as heresy and enthusiastically supported elements of Mr. Bolsonaro's agenda such as relaxed laws on gun ownership. Back, back at Words talks about apologetics or defense of the Catholic doctrine. And I had the privilege of talking to uh, a minister, a pastor actually, in uh, Pakistan earlier this morning, which was about, about evening time for him. And he was telling me about how in Pakistan, they are, there's 295, I think it said 295C laws, which are blasphemy laws, which you can't say anything bad about Muhammad at all, or you could incur the death penalty for yourself, for your family, or um, maybe say anything negative about Islam or, or Muhammad, you could end up at least with a fine or imprisonment or something to that effect. So they have to be very um, prudent in how they go about evangelizing, but they're still doing it, which I really commend them for, and, and, and will continue to pray that God will give them success in the in their work um or we'll pray that god will give them success in their work and uh but he was saying that even in that kind of environment they still have jehovah's witnesses they still have mormons still there as well trying to evangelize so um, as much as we want to sit back and relax and just uh want to uh evangelize which is good which we ought to be doing uh evangelizing and, and wanting to bring souls into the kingdom we need to be teaching them doctrine teaching them sound reasons for what the what they believe and why uh, they believe it, which is what uh, Ligonier Ministries is what is what they're doing. They're trying to expand the Christian knowledge by the renewing of your mind, which is the radio prog program of R.C. Sproul and Ligonier Ministries. And they want you to have a biblical understanding of what you believe, why you believe it, and be able to articulate it to the world and not just be a Christian who says, I believe the Bible and, and, and that's it. But they, you, can't tell, you can't tell them where the Bible came from, why do you believe the Bible, why do you think the Bible is true, uh, why do you believe in the Trinity? Why do you believe in justification by faith? And or what you know? Without they, uh, they Ligonier wants to create a world where Christians are full of understanding, thinking, articulate Christians who can defend the faith as we are called to do with reason, with logic, with intelligence, with all based in the Word of God. And so the Catholics have it, the Mormons have it, the Jehovah's Witness has it, the Muslims have their apologetics. We of all people, since we have the truth, should be able to be uh, the best apologetic, apologetic for our uh, for our faith, for our Lord, as we defend the truth and, and, contend, and contend earnestly for for the faith. So, a major leader is the Brazilian Reverend Paulo Ricardo, major leader of the of, of Catholic apologetics, a priest with 1.5 million followers on Facebook, who has condemned liberation theology as heresy and enthusiastically supports elements. Of Mr. Bolsonaro's agenda, such as relaxed laws on gun ownership. Pope Francis, while embracing a different kind of politics, has hardly neglected Latin America and his ministry. He made the first international trip of his reign to Brazil in July 2013 and has since traveled to nine other countries in the region, but he is clearly not leading a crusade, a crusade to reclaim the region for Catholicism. The church certainly can't expect to turn back history, let alone impose some sort of centralized hegemony, said Pedro 
Morande Court, a Chilean sociologist who sits on the Vatican's Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences, an international body of scholars that advises the Pope. So, again, the article ends by just saying Pope Francis, the leader of the Catholic Church, the quote-unquote Holy Father, the quote-unquote Vicar of Christ, um, has nothing to say about evangelizing or trying to recruit people back into the faith, which, again, is good because he doesn't preach a true gospel. He doesn't preach a, um, a, a, a gospel that saves, a gospel that uh, is justification by faith alone, in Jesus alone, without works and without, uh, without any kind of merit of your own. And so this is why Latin America is losing to, is being lost, quote unquote, to the Pentecostals and other Protestant faiths, which again, we thank God for that the true gospel is being preached there in Latin America, that Jesus is building his church. But again, we have to guard against the extremes of speaking in tongues and, uh, and faith healing and prosperity theology that obviously is prevalent within America as a whole, but especially within Pentecostalism. And so uh, we can thank God that he's building his church, that he's working, that he's active. And we also need to re remember our Latin brother, our Latina, Latino Latin brothers and sisters, our Latino and Latina brother, brothers and sisters, and keep them in prayer and, and do our part to, uh, to make sure that they also are remembered, uh, that they are also fighting the good fight, that even our brothers in Pakistan and, and in Ukraine, especially in Russia at these times, that they are still fighting the good fight and remember them in prayer. And, and pray that and, and but i think it's, it's helpful to remember that jesus is building his church one soul at a time bringing them into his kingdom and he will never ever lose one of the sheep that god has given him so thank you again for listening to do loss and i will see you on the next episode